If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 25 together, and we're going to be looking at, this is week two of the series Simple Christmas, and I love things simple, because if you're like me and you're ADD, you get distracted easily. I like to keep things simple, just kind of keep it the main thing, the main thing, and we know at Christmas time, the main thing is Jesus, amen? And so we're going to be looking at Jesus, but we're going to be looking at Christmas through the heart of Joseph. Uh, Joseph was uh, Jesus' earthly father. There's not much we know about him. Um, he's not mentioned in the Bible very many times, but <clears throat> the good news is that God often uses ordinary people to do, to do extraordinary things, amen? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, without Joseph, Mary could have been stoned to death. Without Joseph, she doesn't get to Bethlehem. Without Joseph, uh, he, he can't escape Herod and uh, make it to, to Egypt. Um, we, we think the list goes on and on. We are doing a deep dive into Joseph this morning. Um, but most people, when you look at Joseph, they just think he's some carpenter who uh, married the Virgin Mary. He got her to Bethlehem on a donkey, but then forgot to make reservations at the inn. Right? Typical man. Just, I thought I'd get more amens from the ladies on that, but no, it's okay. Uh, <clears throat> um, so imagine for me for a second. Let's just set the stage because we know the Christmas story, right? We, we understand it. We understand. We know the, the manger and we know the animals and we know the angels and the shepherds and the wise men and all that stuff. We, we've been in church any length of time. Um, you know the story. But I want you to imagine, take it to modern day, okay? Imagine this morning we have one of our teenagers uh, from our youth group come up here and she's clearly pregnant. And she gives a testimony and claims that she kept her youth group pledges of true love weights. And uh, we would say that she's either lying or at the very least she failed health class, right? Some of you will get that later. It's okay. Um, <clears throat> and that would scare me to death as a youth pastor because I'd probably have to explain that that's not how that works. Um, but, but imagine, you, we, there's no way we would buy that, right? Because it was a miracle. And so think about Joseph we're looking at his perspective this morning. Imagine being in his shoes and having to explain to everyone in town, his family, that, yes, this is the woman I'm betrothed to, which, by the way, legally, that meant as good as married in our modern day today. They had to be legally divorced in order to be, even though they hadn't consummated the marriage, that was the only step left, uh, basically. And so imagine trying to explain things from his perspective. I think of a, a few years back, oh, quite a few now, um, when I was in college, I was at another church, and they asked me to play um, the role of Joseph. And when people asked me what my role was in the play, I said, I'm the Virgin Joseph. And they would kind of look at me, and I'm like, what well, was the Virgin Mary? He was a virgin too. Why does she get all the credit, right? I'm like, <laughs> I mean, he had, to get, he had to go to answer all these questions, right? I mean, obviously, they're looking at her, and they're looking at him, and they're like, I'm the Virgin Joseph. Sure you are, buddy, right? Like, like look, what, look, what, look at this, right? So, but, but certainly, I, you know, it's, he gets kind of a, a um, he doesn't get a lot of attention, but, you know, he was a righteous, virtuous man, and we're going to look at um, his, his role in this very important Christmas story. So read with me, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. <clears throat> now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being just, a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he had called his name Jesus. So we see in this text a few things we can learn through Joseph from this text. There's three things we learn from the heart of Joseph. Number one is this. Joseph had a heart of courage. Think about this with me. His first reaction when Mary tells him that she's pregnant, his first reaction wasn't cheery. He didn't go, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Right? No, that wasn't it, right? Because none of that happened. Like, he was not happy. He was, not, he was probably frustrated, scared, embarrassed, angry, all the emotions, right? Wouldn't you be? I mean, think about it. If you're in Joseph's shoes, how are you feeling? You're feeling betrayed. Like, how in the world could you do this? This was basically his wife at this point, and yet now she's pregnant. And, you know, it hadn't been like a bunch of virgin births before this, right? This was the one and only. So he has one conclusion to draw from. This is the one conclusion, that she had been unfaithful. So he is not happy at this point. He had every right to divorce her publicly and have her stoned to death, as was the law. And yet, it says, the text says, because he was a just man and not wanting to put her to shame, he chose to do it privately. And that's when the angel comes. But think about it, the courage it took for Joseph that when he, he is courageous by choosing to divorce her privately, when it could have been to be angry and have her put to shame and put to death. I once heard it, heard it said that courage is doing the right thing when it's the hardest thing to do. Think about your life. Think about people you know that are courageous. Can that be said of them? Doing the right thing when it's the hardest thing to do. In Joseph's mind, the right thing to do was to not put her to shame, not put her to death. He loved her enough to show kindness. It would have been easy to be angry, but he chose kindness. Doesn't that a picture of our Heavenly Father? Oftentimes when it would be easy for God to be angry with us, Think about yourself right now. Think about your sins. Think about your struggles. Think about there's so many times when you failed him, when you've walked away, when you've done things your own way. When God could very easily be angry with us, through his grace, he shows, chooses kindness to us. Anyone thankful for that this Christmas? Amen. It would have been easy to be angry with her. If he also, he sacrificed Joseph sacrificed. When he said yes, when the angel spoke to him, and he, he got up and he said he obeyed the Lord. He heard from the Lord and he obeyed the Lord, but with that became sacrifice. He sacrificed his reputation. He sacrificed his financial security. You, we don't think about it. It's not, when you move from one city to another here in America, it's, it's fairly easily. You know, you can just move to New York City, to Los Angeles, or wherever you want to go, go to. And many of us have jobs where we can work remote and we can be online. We don't even matter where we are. We can be at home all the time and still be working, that's great. But that wasn't the case for Joseph. Saying yes to God, saying yes to adopting Jesus as his own, meant giving up his business of carpentry that he's been passed down to him for generations. 
They, they had a clientele. He had a business, the things that his father did and his grandfather did. And yet he said, you know what? Even if following Jesus or even following God's commands here and raising Jesus as my son means that we have to escape to Egypt, right? As King Herod had a plot to kill him, he would, he, an angel would speak to him again. It's not the only time the angel speaks to Joseph. You know, Joseph was an important character because when, they, when God needed to, to keep his son Jesus safe, he spoke to Joseph, his earthly father. That should tell us something about how seriously God takes the role of the fathers in our homes. In fact, when you think about it, Joseph isn't even necessary for God to accomplish his mission. He chose to choose a family unit to place his only son in with a husband and wife because he has a great deal of responsibility for husbands and for wives, for fathers and for mothers in order to care for their children and disciple them into the Lord. And that's what they modeled for Jesus. Of course, we know Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And so it speaks volumes that God would even choose a father, an earthly father, when he already had, we know he already had a heavenly one. Earthly fathers, that should give us a great deal of responsibility that we need to do our job in discipling our children. He sacrificed financial security. He, he, was, um, he gave up all of that in order to follow the Lord. You know, there's a lot of, there's so many things we can mention about people who are courageous, but I think of, you know, people who are in the limelight, the people that are constantly in the news, people that all the eyes are on, for them to walk out their faith is, is really extraordinary because they know they could be ridiculed for it. I think about the Olympics. Um, the Olympics continue to be the anticipated spectacle of human ability, strength, and courage. And more encouraging is watching athletes of Christian faith live, out, live it out as, the, as, as they compete. When Olympic athlete Gabby Douglas was interviewed for Christianity Today and asked her how her faith shaped her, this is her reply. Listen to this. She says, it has been a lifelong thing. My mom has always exposed me and my siblings to Christianity. I take my Bible with me, sometimes two of them, when I travel. I watched myself at the Olympics. I watched the all-around finals. My grandfather DVR'd it, and I saw my mouth moving. That was me praying. I always pray at every competition. When the judge's hand goes up, I am praying. And there are little scriptures I like to quote that keeps me motivated when I'm, a, when I'm about to go on the competition floor. I would say little short prayers, quoting scriptures like, I can do all things through Christ, or don't fear, be courageous, little things that keep me motivated. You know, it's humbling for us to hear people in their top peak physical condition still relying on the Lord. Because all the fitness and discipline in the world means absolutely nothing if you don't have a relationship with the one who gave it to you in the first place. And that's what we have to realize. No matter what our skills are, no matter what our jobs are, no matter what we might be able to boast about in our life, if we don't understand that it's all been given to us and it can all be taken away, we're in trouble. We are in deep trouble because we have to understand who it is that's given everything, it all to us. And certainly this Olympian, Gabby Douglas, recognized that. It took courage for her to love out her faith on a big stage. But you know why? I don't think it took a lot for her to... Just put that out there, because like what she said, it was a lifelong thing. She was raised in a home that taught her scriptures and taught her how to pray. So when she's out on the competition floor with all the TV cameras on her and the whole world watching, she does what she does at home. Can I tell you that, it, you know when it's hard to live out your faith in front of other people? When, it, we're, when, we're, when we're doing it for a performance, 
We certainly can think of examples of people who, you know, thank God of something, but they don't really live it out. But it's a performance. You know, we can be guilty of that too. We can perform by just coming to church, by sitting in a Sunday school class, singing some songs, listening to a sermon, raising our hand, answering some questions in Sunday school, and pat ourselves on the back and go home. And it could all be a performance. We could not live out our faith the rest of the week. Or we could live out our faith every single day, and all those things come naturally because it's out of the overflow of the heart. The Jesus says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what we're saying, what we're praising, we're praising God, it's because of what he's already done in, through us on the inside. It's coming out on the outside. And if we're not doing those things, it's time to check our hearts. Do we have a heart like Joseph? Do we have a courageous heart? Are we willing to step out in faith no matter what the cost, no matter what people might think? How can we have courage like Joseph this Christmas? It might mean saying no to some things in order to keep Christmas about Jesus. Now listen, I'm not going to beat up on your holidays, on your gift buying or gift receiving or any of those things, because we do all those things too. But my hope and my prayer this Christmas is that through all the traditions and all the other extra stuff, that the center is Jesus and Jesus only. And not me, not family, not tradition, not anything else that we might put up that are good things. I think we'd all agree that family is a good thing. We'd all agree that, that traditions can be a good thing, right? It gives us the warm fuzzies. We can check that box. Oh, yes, yeah, keep the tradition alive. But if it's not about Jesus, can I just tell you, it's an idol. Right? You don't have to believe me. That's what the Bible says. That there can be great things, but if they're not godly things, it's still sin. And we have to make sure that we are aligning our heart and our mind as we celebrate Jesus this Christmas, that we are truly focused on him. God, what is it that you want to do through me and my family this Christmas? Who is it that we need to bless? Who is it that we, what do we need to do to surrender our will to, to conform with yours? That's what Joseph exemplified. The greatest gift we can receive is the gift of having a relationship with God himself, Emmanuel, God with us. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to us in a form of a baby in Bethlehem. But that's not where the story ends. He later fulfilled his mission by dying on the cross for our sins. He rose again so that we can he could defeat death and we can have eternity with him. Think about this for a second. All other religions, any religion you name outside of Christianity, have one thing in common. They are all say that mankind must reach up to God. But in the Bible, God descends to us through Jesus. He descends to us. Every single one of the religion, you have to work your way to salvation. You have to work your way to God. You have to do X, Y, and Z and check a box and try to live a good life and all these things that are unattainable, and maybe you'll reach God. That's what all of them claim. But praise the Lord, the true religion the only religion. And if you don't believe me, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And that is the truth. He is the truth. Everything else is a lie. It's a lie from Satan himself to confuse, to divide. And we are living in a world where that is not popular. That is considered hate speech to say that there's other ways to get to heaven. What makes your way better than my way? It's not, well, first of all, it's not my way. It's God's way. And he said it in his word. And so we can, we have to be courageous like Joseph 
to say, I'm going to stand on the truth of God's word. I understand what God that means. I means God came to be with us, despite what others might think. Number two, the second thing we can learn from Joseph is Joseph had a heart of faith. He had a heart of faith. He followed his calling to be Jesus' father despite the cost of his reputation. Many would whisper. Can you imagine the whispers, the things that would be said about Joseph? Like, oh my God, can you believe she, she took advantage of him? She just wanted someone to help her raise that baby. I can't believe he fell for that. Can you imagine? I mean, no one, people that did not, they, don't, they didn't get a message from the angel. They just assumed that she was crazy, that she was lying, that she was taking advantage of him. Like, how can he be so dumb to fall for that, right? But Joseph was courageous. He recognized God's voice. When the angels appeared to him, he recognized God's voice and followed what he asked in marrying Mary and raising Jesus as his own. Can I ask you something? Does God, when God speaks to you, do you recognize his voice? You know, there's, there's only one way to do that. We got to know his voice in order to recognize it. And the only way we know someone's voice is by spending time with them. Are we spending time in God's word? That when he speaks to us, it's abundantly clear who it is doing the talking. The second thing we can, we can recognize God's voice is he will never say anything that's contrary to what his word has already said. Because this is the mouthpiece he speaks through. And it doesn't mean that God can't speak to you through a friend or a song or, you know, any number of things, right? But if they're saying something, the song's saying something that this says, throw it out. Throw it out. Don't even think about it again. Because it's always going to be backed by his word. Joseph, thankfully, had a close enough relationship with God that he recognized when the angel appeared to him that that is God. And I'm going to make sacrifices, whatever may come in order to follow what God has told me to do. He didn't let what others thought of him keep him from blessing, the blessing of following God's will for his life. Mm. That's tough. Do we sometimes let what others think of us keep us from following the will of God? Well, if I go all out for Jesus, people are going to think I'm a lunatic. Can I just tell you something? That Jesus, the God Bible tells us that we are to be holy, which means to be set apart, and that if you look just like everyone else, we're doing it wrong. We are supposed to be different. I mean, we have to be crazy, right? Like people take it to extremes sometimes. But we should not look like the world. Make no mistake about it. We cannot serve two masters, the Bible says. We must choose. Are we going to be a follower of Jesus Christ or are we going to be part of the world? Joseph knew that it would, take, it would cost something in order to follow what God's plan was. Can I tell you that every single time we choose to follow God's plan, it's going to cost us something earthly? But it will always be worth it in the end. Romans tells us that it is incomparable, the glory that will be revealed to us versus the earthly sufferings. It's worth it. We must follow God's plan, no matter what the cost. Do we have a heart of faith like Joseph? Are we willing to let God interrupt our plans for this Christmas, for, for his? Think about our plans for this Christmas. Think about Joseph's plan. Joseph's plan was not to marry this woman he was pledged to marry. He was not going to marry her and raise someone else's child. That wasn't his plan. That was never in the cards for Joseph. Not one scenario did he think of involved that. And yet, 
When God threw a curveball into his plans, he chose to say yes to God and to say no to his plans. To say, okay, go to plan B. I, I say this all the time, and it's so true. Every single day I wake up, I try to pray. Every single day my prayer is, God, I give you full permission to interrupt my day. Give you full permission to interrupt my day because his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I know that if I had my way, nothing's really going to get done. But if I surrender to God, if we surrender every single day that God gives us breath in our lungs to God to say, God, today is your day, man, it's unbelievable what God can do in, through us. But we have to be willing to make sacrifices. We have to be willing to have courage. We have to have a faith like Joseph that says, no matter what may come, I'm going to choose to follow him. <clears throat> Are we willing to do the same as Joseph, surrendering our will for his will? My third point, the third thing we can learn from Joseph is that Joseph had a heart of a father. He had a heart of a father. We know they probably had plans to be a father to his own biological children, but he already had a heart of a father when he adopted Jesus. By, doing, by adopting Jesus, he fulfilled the prophecy of Jesus being born in the line of David. And we understand that physically, through blood, he fulfilled that through Mary, because Mary's bloodline can be traced back to David. But legally, by name, Joseph also was from the line of David. And so God didn't just pick some random dude off the street to, to carry out this out. Nothing happens by accident. We've, hopefully we understand that by now. God has a plan in everything. God chose these two because he had a purpose and a plan for their life to bring about his son Jesus to earth for our, so he can die for our sins. We see the heart of Joseph because he was a protector. That's why he, when the angels appeared to him again and said, you need to get up, Herod is going to wipe out every, all the, all the, uh, the uh, males born under, under two years old, you need to get up and you need to leave Egypt, or you need to escape to Egypt. And so he did. He protected them. And again, we know he sacrificed um, many of his, his livelihood in order to do so, but it didn't matter to him. He was going to be obedient to the Lord, and he's going to protect that child that, he's, that he claims as his own. He was a provider. We know he was a carpenter, and that Jesus went on to be a carpenter as well. That means he was passing down the family tradition, the family trade, to his son, Jesus. And so you think about him as a carpenter, and by trade, he taught Jesus to be one as well. Thirdly, we think of, of the heart, he had a heart of a father because he discipled Jesus. You're going to say, well, how do we know that? There's not a lot mentioned about that. Well, we know that he took him to the temple. That's where he ended up staying for a couple of days. They had to go back and get him when all the priests and everything were amazed at his wisdom and learning from a 12-year-old Jesus at the time. Well, they wouldn't have got there in the first place without Joseph. So Joseph took him to church. It was customary for fathers to teach their children in those days scriptures on a regular basis to lead their homes into discipleship. When, when Jesus was tempted in the desert by Satan, what did he do? He quoted scriptures. Because, and by the way, that's an application for us too. Because the only way, the only way to defeat Satan's lies is by God's truth. When Satan tells you a lie, and Satan lies to us every day, that's what he does. He's the father of all lies. If you can share God's truth, that's what Jesus modeled for us. 
The only thing that defeats Satan's lies is God's truth. But how are we going to share God's truth or say God's truth if we don't know it in the first place? We have to be in God's word. It's not an option as Christians. It is not like, oh, that would be nice if, if I've, well, my New Year's resolution this year could be to read the Bible. We have to read the Bible. It's the truth. Otherwise, we are going into inevitably, we get lied to enough, you're going to start to believe it. And what a problem we have in our Christians today is that over and over and over again, we are getting fed lies through social media, through the television, through our friends, through coworkers, through all these other things, and it seeps into us, and we're not in the Scripture. We're not combating with God's Word. And all of a sudden, we start to believe the lie. But maybe what I was taught growing up was wrong. Maybe the church got it wrong. Be so careful what and who you listen to. Joseph taught Jesus' scriptures. I bet he's in the desert. You can just imagine Jesus looking back as Satan was tempting him and being next to his father in church in the temple, being next to his dad at the woodworking table, learning the trade and quoting scriptures. It's so invaluable what the, the what fathers can give, the role the fathers play for their children is sharing scriptures and teaching the word of God and leading their homes and helping their families know God, discipling them. Joseph's heart was on full display when he adopts Jesus as a son. I want you to think about this with me. James 1.27 says this, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James also tells us that faith is beyond words, that the demons say that they believe. It's not enough to say, I believe in Jesus. He says, oh, you do? You do well. Good for you. You believe in Jesus? So do the demons, and they shudder. It's not enough. I believe in God. I believe there's a higher power or the big man upstairs. Not enough. That doesn't cut it. Faith without works is dead, James tells us. Now think about this. Think about who wrote those words, James. What do we know about James? James was a half-brother of Jesus. That also makes him the son of who? Joseph. James, as he writes those words through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has a living example through his own earthly father of someone who lived out his faith. Isn't that amazing? We think about it. He cared, he cared for orphans. Guess what? That's what Jesus was. We said, well, he had Mary, even if he lived. Like, well, yes, but in those days, without a man, there was no livelihood. He was made as good as an orphan. He took, not only did he look after him or visit him, he took him in as his own son. That's what Joseph did. He says, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Joseph was unstained from the world because he said, forget about what they think. I only care, only care about what God thinks. Man, if we could just adopt that mindset, we just stop caring about what the world thinks of us and only think about what God thinks. God looks at us and looks at us and he says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't care what the world says about your appearance. That's, that's who I made you to be. I don't care what the world says about your abilities or lack of your abilities or how much money is in your bank account or what house you, do you live in or what car you drive. I don't care about any of those things. I care about you because I created you and I have a purpose and a plan for you. If we could adopt that mindset, if we start caring more about what God thinks and less about what the world thinks, we'll have a faith that has works to back it up. Joseph put his faith into action. Is our faith being put into action? 
Brother Dave just shared this morning about all the things our church has done. We've had lots of opportunities to put our faith in action this Christmas season. The shoe boxes or going downtown or the lighthouse boxes or feeding the homeless or feeding the bus ministry this morning. It's unbelievable the opportunities. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. But, but let me just tell you this too. I don't know what it is that God has put into your life, into your path, and who he, you are to touch to bring glory to God, to put your faith into action this Christmas. But what a waste it would be to have a whole holiday where everybody's talking about Christmas and not be somehow, some way, sharing our faith and who the Christ in Christmas is. If there's somebody in your life that you can bless, it might make you uncomfortable, it might stretch you a little thin, it might take you out of your comfort zone or stretch the bank account or whatever it might be, but listen to what the Lord God is telling you and obey him. Don't let what other people think steal, make you steal the blessing of knowing that you're in the center of God's will. Because there's no greater gift that we can be given this, this Christmas than to know that we're in the presence of God. Forget the presence under the tree. Let's be in the presence of God. Let's be walking with him. God, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to us. Church, he came to us. We don't have to strive to get to him. That's an impossible task. He loves us enough. He sent Jesus to us. So let's worship him. Let's serve him. Let's put our faith into action just like Joseph did. And let's make this Christmas about Jesus and Jesus alone. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me.